Hello and welcome to Game Dev Grit episode seven, I think. It might be six. And today's guest is Rachel Blue. So Rachel, can you introduce yourself? Let us know what you do in the world of game development. Of course. Um, first, uh, just because I get this question sometimes, Ash Blue, yes, a relative. No, not my brother. Uh, we're married when we're definitely not Lannisters. So uh, there's that. We're working on a dragon named Cole together, or we were, but as he mentioned, we're uh, now doing a completely different project. Um, I'm a self-taught artist. I was originally doing 2D, focusing on pixel art, and now I'm learning 3D, which is a very wonderful change. And kind of scary. Um, I uh, am a IGDA Colorado board member. Uh, and let's see, I've also done side contracting, work with things like for Animal Planets, uh, uh, backgrounds, and did NVIDIA's Twitch channel community management for a while, which was super fun. So uh, let's see, kind of yeah, got around so the board. Yeah. A lot of art. So <laughs> there's something you said, and I want to know if you're sarcastic or not, because you said you were going into 3D and you said it was like cool or you're excited about. It. Is that really true or are you being sarcastic? You know, at first I was very sarcastic about it. I, I was actually kind of mad because I, I really liked doing pixel art and I felt like I got very good at it. And then Ash was like, no, this needs to be 3D. I'm like, are you sure? Like, because I'm finally finally at a stage where I feel that my art is representing your code in the way that I want people to see it. And that is really nice. Um, and, and, and starting from a whole new medium completely from scratch, I'm going to suck for a while. Like, I'm not just going to be the same level I am at pixel art instantly with 3D. Uh, but it's grown on me, and it really has. Um, I'm still suck at it. Uh, but But it's definitely growing on me. And it's actually something that I'm glad that we did because I think that as soon as you start getting really comfortable in just one area you stop growing you stop adding new tools and, and techniques and, and uh, pipelines to your repertoire you kind of start to stagnate in a way and while that can feel really good to feel on top and to feel um, confident in what you're doing it, it does limit uh, other available jobs and opportunities so stepping into 3D has actually I think been a pretty good thing and for game development it's been nice yeah what did you learn because i went the opposite direction i went from 3d into pixel art recently so what did you take from pixel art creation experience into 3d how how, how do you feel it's helped you oh hmm if it did <laughs> well maybe let me talk about some of the differences that i've noticed uh, and we're still working on our implementation pipeline for 3D, so maybe there will be things that I'll find later that I'll be like, oh, this or that was better, or this this or that has this crossover element that I don't know of now. But going from a sprite sheet-based 2D, very low uh, asset creation pipeline to 3D, <sighs> One thing I know Ash mentioned that we made the mistake early on of implementing art assets. And I think that's one of the, the things I was most excited about with 3D, where I'm like, ah, it sucks to learn a new thing, but at least there's this benefit where when it came to pixel art, as soon as we needed to test something, we needed the actual asset. Like we could not just put in test models or test assets and be like, yeah, that's close enough. That's fine. Like, no, we needed to actually have to the pixel 
are things that we thought were going to be going in the game to really get a sense of, of what it was going to be. We couldn't just project onto cubes bouncing through the scene. Uh, and we couldn't just take Mixamo animations and test models and be like, yeah, that's running around fine. That should be good. Yeah, you know, there, oh, sorry. There's something I wanted to ask you about that you said. So you said you felt that you integrated art too soon, right? You said something about that, like in the game? Absolutely. So, okay, if you're part of a two-person team, which you are, um, coder, artist, what is there? Because, I, I mean, if there's nothing for the artist to do yet, like what you can you do early in the process? What if there's no art to do? Did you find yourself, like, making art? Because, like, it's like, well, I'm the artist. I need to make art. And then it gets thrown out because you're not ready. Or how, how does that whole workflow work? Like, what went right? What went wrong with that? With the Dragon Name Cole, we at first didn't have enough art, and then I had too much art. Um, so it kind of became this bottleneck for creation because as soon as you implement something, it has to be maintained, which kind of, at first we were excited because we wanted to see stuff in and working, and it felt really good. And then we realized how much debt we were building up of like, oh, we have to maintain this. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, and I would get mad at Ash because I'm like, I want to implement this thing that I made. And he's like, no, we're not implementing that. Like the code's not there for it. And it's going to all be redone anyway. Uh, it's going to waste a ton of time. And I'm like, but I want to make the team members happy. If they see it in there, they'll be happy. And he's like, we don't have the time for this. Um, whereas now he's doing all of these, uh, all, all the programming and it's just these little capsules and cubes and pro builder. Uh, so it's like Tic Tacs fighting each other in this, this scene. Uh, and it looks kind of funny, but uh, I'm able to work independently. And so our pipelines are completely separate. So everything I'm working on art wise, even though it's not being implemented and tested in the actual game, I'm starting, just barely starting um, to try like dropping in assets and models that I've made and be like, how is this working? Uh, and I'm able to test things independent of the build pipeline for the programming, which has been really nice to keep them separate. And I still feel like I have tons to work on. Maybe that's part of the learning curve, but. Yeah. So if there's, is there always stuff for an artist to do in these projects? Are there times when you don't have anything to do? And if so, what do you do? Or I think that there's always something to do. The trick is that it's not always what you want to be doing. Um, because like with a dragon and coal, I did a lot of art direction and, and, uh, stuff like that as well. Um, so especially if you're on a small indie team, like whether it's just you or you and a couple of other people, you, you really get the privilege of just having a very specialized skill set. Like you're never just doing animation. You're never just doing uh, concept art or environments. Like you're never just doing one thing. So if I'm blocked on putting in scene assets, or if I'm blocked on uh, putting in animations, I can still do character designs. There's still a ton of characters to do. It just maybe that I don't want to do it yet. Uh, and it's it's a matter of taking your creative energy and trying to redirect it towards something that's more applicable at the time or something that you're you're able to make progress in at, at the time and not just oh i really want to draw that one scene i have this great idea for it's going to get it down and then it's kind of wasted so um with this current project you're doing now can you describe a little bit about the workflow 
like what you're doing, the order of things, stuff like that? For me, I'm still learning 3D. Uh, so I've just started making some really basic low poly models. And what I'm calling it is uh, white boxing. And I, I know Ash mentioned gray boxing. And I mentioned a bit earlier when I was talking about the uh, the capsules and the cubes and Pro Builder. Uh, right now, he's got these scenes where there is path that the little tic-tac walks down. Uh, and he's got green patches that are obviously forest and Pro Builder kind of making some blocky shapes like buildings. And uh, you come across some Unity cubes that are like tilted on their angle. It's like, okay, cool. I have no idea what this is. Uh, white boxing, the idea is that you, instead of looking at it and going, that's a cube, uh, you look at it and go, oh, that's a wagon. Yeah, sure. Like just enough detail that anybody playtesting it will be able to have context, but not so much detail that you're actually implementing final assets. Okay, that just made me think of a useful tool in that kind of area. It's for Unity. It's called Grease Pencil, and it lets you draw on your objects in the viewport. Ooh, so it's yeah. really useful for product. So that cube could actually say wagon on it, you know, or you can <laughs> you can you can draw like a little wagon on the side. Um, I like it. I, I like that too because it's it's really good for if you don't have an artist on your team, especially like you just want to be like, I need them to know it's a wagon. Uh, whereas for me, I'm like, I want the practice of building some really basic models that can be crap. Uh, yeah, it's a cool <laughs> little utility. So maybe in your prototypes, if you use something like that, because it lets you draw actually on objects or on the screen and in different colors and layers and stuff. Um, something like that might be, I find it useful for my prototypes to like, you know, draw a door goes here and then there's a thing. So I like it. Or you can even like just stretch out a cube and draw the bits of a car on it like here's the windows and the tires and the bumpers boom car yeah so grease pencil it's on the asset store it's only like 15 bucks but nice actually i think i never mind i was thinking about a different tool in in blender but then I'm, i haven't played with it yet so i don't know if it's similar at all uh and i think it has a slightly different name now that i'm thinking about it so never mind yeah, and just as a Blender note, because I know I was talking to Ash, your husband, about Blender and how you're using Blender. And there's a couple people I know here in the Game Dev Grit um, Discord who are Blender people. So yes, in the maybe it would be in the tools, and I made a tools and resource thing. So maybe you Blender people can go in there and blend, blend it up. Yeah, I've been finding some really good uh, tutorial resources, and it's. I feel that there's always that struggle when you learn something like completely new. Like I remember back in 2009, 2008, somewhere in there when I first started learning Photoshop and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much. Where do I start? What's it mean when people are talking about this toolbar versus like this tool thing? And like, how do I find stuff? Uh, and now doing Blender, I'm like, oh, that was nothing compared to this. Why did I even complain about Photoshop? Yeah, can you talk about that? Like, what are the weirdest things or the most challenging things moving into 3D creation? Well, other than having a whole other access to worry about, a uh, completely different tool mindset. Like, if there's any other artists out there who have played with the Adobe Suite and thought, yeah, I get the feeling of drawing in Photoshop and that makes sense, and then moved over to Illustrator and been like, what is this? What's going on? Uh, you kind of get the idea that your brain has to switch from thinking about things in a let's just draw and see what happens way to a very let's approach this analytically and have a plan. And if you don't have a plan about how you're going to make it, it's not going to go super well. Uh, 
3D, I found is very much the same thing where you need a plan. And when you first open it up, you don't know even how to make a coffee cup. Like maybe you could make a cylinder, but then you're like, wait, how do I get this part to go down? How do I get a handle? How do I like get all these pieces together? Um, the the other thing that I've I've found, especially for game development creation, is uh, when it came to art assets that were 2D, it was very easy to know all I have to do is save it as a PNG. I can save my lover, lo layers, I can edit non-destructively and everything will be fine, but I need to just export as a transparent PNG, make sure that it's clean and I've got my sprite shooter, I've got my asset and I can import that to the game. With 3D, I am realizing that there's all these things of like, you need to make sure it's going to render properly. You need to think about how you're going to apply textures to it. You need to think about how many triangles are on your model. How many pieces of your model are they going to What export? about your normals? Your normals your normal are maps. Oh, I haven't even gotten to normals yet. It's horrifying. Um, there's so, so much. Um, and also like you don't want to have geometry sticking into each other and, and like having unnecessary bits, but you also don't want to be destructive because what if you need to go back and edit those models? So it, it's a lot more to consider about how you not just create your asset, but, but how you keep in mind that you're going to go back to it and potentially edit it later on. Yeah, one thing I wish I would have learned sooner in making 3D stuff that I didn't, when I first started, I was trying to make everything out of one object. And then later with more experience, like what I started doing, and I still do, is that I would look at the different primitive objects and like if you're making that coffee cup, okay, how can I modify two of these prims and put them together to make this object? So that's just one thing that really helped me was just like, hey, I can use multiple objects and put them together as long as I fix the seams and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah, as long as you like join it together, something you know a lot more about 3D than I do too. So I'm, I'm sure the transition from 3D to pixel art is, is there anything that you've noticed that was weird or? Uh, I'm, I'm learning more about shading and like a little, I knew a, a bit about lighting. I know a lot about lighting, but I don't know. It kind of just, uh, it made me focus more on the shading. I, I think it made my drawing better doing pixel art. Cause you know, you have to draw in the shadows and the highlights. And I never yeah. thought about that. Cause and you know, they can't, they can't move like all the lighting that you bake into it is just kind of static unless you invest in something like Sprite lamp. Yeah, because doing that in 3D, you get it for free. You just position a light, and it does the rim around the character, so you don't even have to think about it, you know? But in pixel art, it's like, oh, wait, wow, I have to think about where my shadows and highlights go. So I think it made me a little better at drawing. That's awesome. That's not a bad side effect. So, the, yeah, the reason I was saying about normals, because there's weird stuff in 3D where, you know, a polygon has a normal, which is a direction. And, yeah. like, usually in your 3D creation program you can see both sides of it, right? Unless so, you turn off some weird features in Blender. Um, yeah, but yeah. by default in all of them, it's on. So then you make this model, this looks great. And then you bring it into Unity and half of it's invisible because Unity can only see one. It's called backface culling. Yeah, so, um, it's, it's been a massive problem. And I was thankful that some of the tutorials I've gone through that have been really comprehensive actually addressed that and talked about ways to try and test before imp importing it into a game engine ways to test it to make sure that you're not making that mistake. Um, so one of the things I've been doing, and I'm not sure if, if you know there are good shortcuts, but I've, I've been uh, just rendering the image to test it as I model. Because uh, some tutorials on YouTube I found for like making crates or something. I was like, oh, this is great. I made this crate and it looks great. And now let me test render it. And whoa, what is that? 
why is it a thousand triangles and why are all these layers and like planes like overlapping on each other and like making this weird texture i didn't put a texture on this yeah and i'll share with you since i've been doing 3d for so long UVing models or UV unwrapping and rigging and weight painting always sucks. And I still hate it. So, and it's still hard. So if adding unwrapping UVs on especially characters and doing um, rigging and weight painting, like that's just always terrible. So if it's hard, don't feel bad. <laughs> that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. The bone tool and blender has been, has been really approachable, but the animation was like, Oh, Oh, that seems convoluted. Yeah. And, you know, just to share with you, too, because people, you know, my background is as a 3D animator. So you might think, oh, I just jump into my games and I'm like, what can I I'm going to animate everything by hand. But it's actually the opposite. I go into Mixamo and I upload my models into there because, you know, it allows you to upload your, your character. And then it has those sliders to adjust the hand position and all that stuff. And so the first thing I'll do is I'll go in there and I'll just try to use all of those pre-made ones and tweak them. And from everything. And then if I can't, then I'm like, okay, I got to animate this by hand. But it's an amazing resource. Especially since you can modify the animations in there with sliders and stuff. Yeah, that's, I, I remember as I was going through and they were teaching uh, in, in Ben Tristam's unit, uh, th 3D Blender course on Udemy, uh, they were talking about the animation. And I just remember going through it thinking, I get the feeling I'm going to do all of this in Unity. Like, it's just so bad in Blender. Yeah, and um, also, so Bl is Blender the first 3D content creation program? Other than like SketchUp, which I, I tried briefly, but it, it pretty much felt like Pro Builder to me. So unless you're counting game engines, okay, yes, this, is, this is the first. Yeah, how does it does it make sense? Because in the world of three D creation, Blender's like an alien because its <laughs> its UI is not like any of the other ones. So like, I can't even use it. Like, I go in there and I can't even move the camera. I'm just like, what's happening? So, you know, the the course like the first section or two was just all about the the workflow and the and the layout. And I feel that because of that foundation, it now does make more sense. But it's still like just just weird. Like, uh, I'm really excited for the Blender 2.8 uh, to come out because I'll be able to right-click on models instead of having to left-click on them because as anyone who's used Blender knows, as soon as you right-click in your scene, you move the 3D cursor. Of all things, it's just decided to be the 3D cursor. Um, and thankfully, there are shortcuts to get that thing back, um, but it's it's weird. I don't know if any of the other shortcuts are going to be improved with the update. I've been, I've been seeing little bits of news, and it sounds exciting. Uh, but... But yeah, massive changes coming for Blender, but it is completely, completely weird right now. Let's um let's talk a little bit about how you're planning your workflow for this new game. Like, how soon are you going to bring characters in? At what level are they going to be? Are they going to be textured? Are they going to have props on them? Like, are you going to bring them in later? Like with more detailed? What's your what's your right now? What's your approach to doing that? Um. Previously, because it was sprite sheet based, we had all but the main character had their their weapons baked into the sprite sheet. I right now, I I think I'm mostly going to be testing a couple of different things out and seeing what works best. Timeline wise, 
it's mostly going off of when we have feature complete uh, development cycle, which because Ash is also working a day job, like I don't want to put timeline and pressures on him. He puts enough timelines and pressures on himself. Like I'm not, I'm not going to add to that. Um, so it's, it's a little up in the air, which isn't necessarily how you want to go about development. Um, or I guess, I mean, like, are you going to bring in your character when the character is finished or are you going to bring it once it's modeled? Like, what are you planning right now? Well, I have my own test projects where I take what he's been working on and I, I, I open it in a, a separate instance and I fiddle with it. And I don't always like bring it back into the repo. Like I, for a while I was taking uh, the, the repo, forking it and like branching it, making a special feature branch and putting it back in through like a Git. Um, but right now I'm just working independently, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, eventually tell, we will have to do that again. Tell us more about that process. Cause that sounds interesting. So you have like a test place where you can test out your stuff with the in-game real stuff, but it's in a safe testing yes, space. Sometimes it just super breaks it though. So what I do is I go into Git, and because I'm approved on the project, um, team members, yay. Uh, I'm able to download the game file and I'm able to open it up in Unity uh, and just start messing around with stuff. And then if I break it, all I have to do is download it again and I've only just wasted my own time. Um, the, the only downside is that if you do want to be able to edit it in a way where you keep your progress and if you make a mistake, you can go back. You'd want to like actually have it set up as a Git LFS. Um, some of the things I was playing with, I just wanted to trash. Like I, I did not actually want it in the game to keep. I wanted it, or even for my own test purposes, I just wanted to test it, see if I could get it to work with what Ash had, like his paths and, and the character movements and test the scale. Uh, I was testing, what was it? Gaia World Builder. Uh, I was wondering how that might work, if I could get different assets in it, if I could make it work for our scenes. And it was really fun to play with, uh, but it also is absolutely massive. And I did not have Git LFS set up. So whatever I saved was just how the project was saved. And if I made mistakes, I was stuck with them. Oh, uh, let's let's talk about the environment stuff because for some reason in my head I was stuck on characters, but obviously we got to uh, you got to build the whole world too, right? You're building the everything. world. Well, I mean, at some point I'm sure we'll have draw a line in the sand and be like, okay, this is what uh, one person can do, and this is what we'll need other people for, and then we'll look at hiring other people. But like, at, we've decided it's, it's more of like a a post production step to bring in all of that. So yeah, I've been experimenting with everything. Did you, um, in one of the forums here, I think it was in the show notes of previous episode, there's this guy from Spain named Carlos Coronado, and he came up with his pizza border technique for level design. Did you happen to see that? I don't remember that. No, I was scrolling through that, but I didn't see oh. anything about pizza. I would definitely remember pizza. Yeah, it's it's a guy's face in front of a crowd. I'll post it in the show notes for this one, too. But it's his technique. I thought it was ingenious, where he shows his games. They look really polished, full built-out worlds. And then he shows you that there's a set of like 25 different assets, 25 different models that he reuses in different ways to make the world. And his pizza border is that you have like a really kind of low poly, not so cool like model. And then you take these pizza crusts or pizza borders, so like a more detailed model, and you just stick it on it. So like a ledge, then he would just stick on flowers and all this stuff as a separate model. 
and it it looks great and it's a really it's an easy way um for an individual to create like really high quality looking stuff so um that is smart and it's it's always uh one one thing that i I keep saying is it's not that practicing it makes it perfect necessarily but your process can change so much like your your process and how efficient you are with that uh can drastically change your your entire experience yeah it's sort of like i was saying about when i first started 3d i would try to make everything out of one piece and then i shifted a multiple so this would be like a cliff face is one model and then the little flower arrangement is another model and then vines is another model and you're just sticking them on there and reusing them through your whole level and it's i just think a really smart way to work it's also very modular and if you want to be modular with your code it also makes sense to be modular with your art pieces so that simple repeatable things can inter- interact with each other in various ways and become a myriad of assets instead of just being yeah. one one offs it's totally a modular art asset workflow and i've been using it for my level design i just went through all i did i looked at the guys like layout of his assets he made for his level and i just made pretty much the same ones in my style for the game and I was like, okay, let me pizza border my level. And it's it's awesome and it does add like a higher level of detail and quality and polish, but you're just like duplicating, scale, rotate, you know? Yeah, so. no, I, I did that with pixel art too. Like we had these cave doors. Uh, so like you're wandering through a cave, you're a dragon, and then you come across a door and it's going into the cave or out of the cave or up to a different part of the cave. Uh, and another pixel artist who was working on our project, uh, she was like, Oh yeah, I like these. And I'm like, you know, it's just one door. I just flip it or or have like a cutout so it's the sky in the back instead of the darkness of the cave. And she's like, "What? It's just one door." I'm like, "Yeah. Why make seven doors?" Yeah, and it's like uh, the argument his argument was that in quote AAA development, they make unique assets for everything for whatever reason, but on a small team or on your own, you can't afford to do that. And his argument was that the players don't care. It's all it's other developers who care, but you're not trying to make them happy. You're trying to make your players happy. A lot of the times it's just you need to be just good enough for most of it and then shine in just a few areas. And that's that's one thing I've come across actually with uh, 3D more than pixel art. And not to say that pixel art doesn't have that element in it, but I, I've come across the term hero for the scene, because I've never had to worry about how many triangles is in my pixel art before, uh, whereas you do need to worry about it for your, your models. Uh, and, and focusing, having more detail on a, something that's important to the scene rather than just like, oh, this coffee cup is a thousand triangles. <laughs> yeah, in the pizza border technique, his argument was you create your, quote, hero assets from combining a bunch of your pizza crusts, your modular ones. So, and I, I tried it and it works. So, And it's definitely a very good approach. That being said, I have run across a couple of different tools that aim to give you as much variety as quickly as possible with very little input from the artist uh, or the person implementing the assets, which is exciting to me, but also I wonder about file sizes a lot of the time. Uh, and those two programs have been primarily for me, um, Gaia World Builder and Speedtree. Because you can really quickly iterate different environments with Guy. They, they even randomizes it for you, so you just click one button. Um, and you can actually change it so that it is implementing the trees that you want for your aesthetic and the textures for the ground that you want for your aesthetic. And if you want to go about making your own uh, river and mountain height maps, you can also use those instead of the, 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 the default ones that they have. Um, so it's a lot of 
interesting variable things. It is a little hidden to go in and adjust those. Um, but, but once you do, it's completely possible um, to have a very customized scene that's easily randomized and iteratable. Um, and then speed tree, you can go about creating the tree that the way that you want it. And then there's a randomize uh, feature. So it just slightly tweaks the way the branches are sitting or how many branches there are, or if they're broken and like the leaves and just tweaks a bunch of little things enough that it looks like a slightly different tree from the same forest. In addition to those, what are some other tools you found useful for your environment or care or any creation for what you're doing so far? Hmm. Well, the very next on my list, actually, to check out, I saw in one of the other discussions, I think it was the the, the tools and resources or possibly the art discussion. Somebody was talking about uh, Substance Painter. Uh, and uh, that's actually the next thing I was looking at doing was taking some of these models and bringing them into Substance Painter because uh, importing from Blender was actually really terrible and lost all of the textures. Um, so having another tool where not only can you make really cool textures, but be able to apply them or import them to Unity and then apply them. Uh, to be honest, as far as uh, large scale asset creation and uh, variety, like instant pools of variety, uh, speed tree and World Builder were definitely the, the the two biggest ones, which was why they were some of the first ones that I checked out. Have you, um, there's one asset I've just experimented with. I think I made some for some of my small games. Have you ever seen um, Archimatics Pro? Arch Have you, are you familiar with that asset? No, I don't think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an architect who's also a programmer, and it's a modular building and architecture creation asset in Unity. And it's amazing. You can, for building building structures, stairs, spiral, cool stuff. So That sounds really uh, cool. And, and also, like, it sounds like it's, it's kind of, do you say modular as well with that? Or did I just hear that word? Yeah, be, because it, it uses, like, it does a lot of um, lofts and extrudes. So you start, you can start with 2D designs and then, like, get this little 2D piece that are in the program. And then you can, like, sweep it and then create 20 of them and rotate them. So it's, yeah, it's totally Very modular. Nice. No, I, I definitely need to look that one up and, and try it out because you can never have too many tools like that, especially when they're they're modular pieces. Yeah, um, like that one. It's called Archimatics Pro. Um, so I got it and I started working with it. And I was like, I know nothing about architecture. So I got a bunch of architecture books and I'm going to try it again. But it assumes, you know, because it's a very powerful, but it assumes, I think, you know something about architecture. Cause, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, there's so much to know about architecture that it's a whole, it's a whole world. I feel like with game development you you never get to stop learning like there's always something else you need to you need to start being proficient at yeah and it's so yeah it's almost like i'm good at this thing oh now there's just 20 other things you know nothing about and your whole project depends on them so yeah good luck. yeah especially like um sometimes it comes out of left field too like i i was not expecting to to have to Somehow this never came up for me. Like I, I was like, oh yeah, we're making a game. Oh yeah, we're having narration. Oh wait, who's directing our narrator? How does one do that? Don't they just speak? No, no, it turns out they need a little bit of guidance. Um, and that, that was a whole thing I know nothing about. Um, so it was interesting. We're very lucky to have worked with some really 
great people uh, for a dragon named Cole. So it was not a terrible experience, um, but I felt woefully inefficient uh, for the people that we had. So is that something with your team now? Um, do you do the narrative together or is it split off or how are you, how are you handling That's something the that we've dumped into post-production as well, where we want everything done and then consider what we have for budget and what we can manage for narration, whether that's just going to be little vocalizations of, mm, ha, 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 ha. Um, or, or if it's going to be a narrator or if it's going to be characters getting their own voices, which would be amazing. Um, but it's definitely something we want to do, but it's it can be so so pricey. Yeah, and the things that that really get crazy if people if you're trying to integrate lip sync and stuff like that, in addition to voices, it's just ah, like from my world too. I would only do lip sync if I absolutely have to, but I was always trying to stylize my characters so I could get away with not having lip sync, you know. So everyone wears a mask because <laughs> then you don't need lipstick. They have a mask or there's like a cowl that comes up to their nose. It's like, it's fine. We have eyebrows. We don't need, we don't need mouths. Yeah. And I think a lot of this stuff, yeah, it's just finding out how to be resourceful and do things in a modular way. And because I mean, you know, Ash is the Uber programmer. So, you know, he has that in his brain. I'm just learning programming. So I'm trying to learn it too. But it really does make a lot of sense. And I think, yeah, us and the art creation could learn a lot from that, right? The module. Oh, absolutely. Thing. And I, I think it's, um, I think it's a very smart approach. And there was w multiple places where I was able to implement it in pixel art. Uh, and, and I'm looking forward to trying to be able to do that in 3D. But I'm also like, Oh shoot! Like, how does it work in 3D? So I've I've been buying some assets here and there and seeing how they piece together. And I'm like, oh, that's how you approach that. Oh, overlap is totally fine. Whereas like pixel art, it had to be lined up exactly on the grid to be pixel to pixel, like mush their faces together. Um, whereas with 3D, I love that there's that that forgiving overlap where you can just be like, that's close enough. Like, it'll work. Yeah, I'll sh I'll share some tips with you too because I do a lot of modular stuff in my 3D. So when you make some character like base character bodies and it's like, oh, I like this body, then just cut its hands off and its feet off and its head off and stick a different head or hands and feet. Um, with rigs, once you have a, a rig you like or a skeleton, just use it in other models, copy paste it. That's um, what you can never do with sheets. Yeah, um, use texture selections or selection sets. So that you can change the text. So if you have one model or a character that has like this metal suit with these three parts that glow yellow, and then you set the glow yellow parts as a different texture selection or material selection. So then you can have another guy and all you do is change the texture. Now he has red glow parts and black armor, but it's the same exact model. So yeah, you can manipulate the, the selection sets, the textures, and yeah, I do a lot where I'll just have like a character body I like, male, female, and then I'll just switch out the 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 hands and the feet and when you have because hands and feet are really hard to model if you ever have to do yeah, stuff I'm like that to to um, avoid it we're looking at um games like ashen where they've got these kind of simplified models but they're still like just this gorgeous level of detail and i'm like oh that that seems that seems approachable yeah low poly is definitely the way to go but you can also if you made like a body that you like but you're like i can't model hands and feet Go get some other like free asset, whatever. Cut off its hands and feet and just stitch them onto yours. That's what Ooh, I do. I like that. So, that probably saves you a lot yeah, of so time. It's just, so I guess there is that modular thing in asset creation, but they call it kit bashing. That's what oh, it's referred to okay. as. 
so you get a bunch of pieces. Yeah, they call it I kit bashing. I guess it depends bashing. on how well packaged the assets are, though, because if, if, if the style meshes or if you're able to go in and edit the model, just tweak it slightly to be able to work with what you've got, that's that's good. But I'm sure you can get some Frankenstein effects as well. Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff. Like in a lot of fields, like in CG, people might be like, you need to unwrap every single model manually and rig them all by hand and paint their weights. But like I've been doing it for 15 years and I'll use auto UVing as much as possible. I'll only manually unwrap if I have to. I'll use auto riggers all day and all night. I do not want to rig or paint weights. So if you don't feel like you want to do that stuff, you don't have to. And I don't want to do it. It's terrible. I, so. I fully support what you're saying. And also, it seems weird, the elitism that comes with... I don't know if it comes with programming as much, too, but I see it so much in art. Uh, whether that's people being like, oh, this was a frame from back before they used computers for animation. And I'm like, really? Like, what is up your butt? Um, or or Pixlite. I remember I was part of this Pixlite group, and I was trying to post some of the art that I was doing for a dragon named Cole. And they're like, oh, we noticed that you used the gradient tool. That's not allowed. You have to place every pixel by hand. And I'm like, okay. Obviously, we have. Yeah, those people different. are those people are weirdos. Like CG Talk, it's now called CG Society, which was back like 15 years ago, was like the place for like 3D animation modeling talk. I got banned Whoa. from there, like like 10 years ago because of my my opinion differed from the other people but it's like oh me who went on to make all these movies and all this you banned me you know like what are you doing and it's because a lot of the attitudes were those elitist like you didn't do it the right way oh you used poser ha 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 you're not a real artist you know people just get caught up in the tools and they forget what the tool is for it's about what you're doing with it not you know what tool you use or it's how about you if use it improves it, so. your process and i mean i i try not to be elitist i i understand sometimes i get very passionate about things i think i posted earlier something about um acebrite as a pixel art animation tool that i was recommending in one of the channels uh and i come across people all the time who are using photoshop to photoshop timeline to animate pixel art and i'm just like oh please for the love of god don't do it. Don't do it. It just It's so painful. It's a terrible tool, and it hurts your process, and it's very easy to mess up. There are better options out there. Just don't hurt yourself. But uh, not so much as an elitist thing, but just, like, it's so terrible. Yeah, there's this, um, this saying I learned at some frat party when I was in college, and it's, whatever works, bro. So, I mean, that's a good approach to like your art creations. Like if it works, then go with it. That's right. all that matters. You know, whatever works, bro. <laughs> like, and so that's, I go with, yeah, that's, that's how I do things now. And I'm like, I'm not doing it the quote right way, but like nobody cares. And the people that care, like, why do you want to try to make them happy? Cause they're just, I'd say the only know. things that really matter is one, if it works for you and your pipeline. And two, I would just say like considering what you're doing to the model and if it's editable, like if you can maintain it and go back and iterate on it later. Like I, I don't want to make an asset. Like I'm just, I was making a sack earlier and I was like, okay, cool. I've got a low poly sack. I can just put it in my scene. Uh, oh, you know what? I'm not going to join all of the, I'm not going to do like some destructive editing thing to it without saving an additional file because I want to be able to come back and edit this. And I don't yet know a really clean pipeline uh, to make sure that I have everything I need to be able to edit. Like in Photoshop with pixel art, I knew 
what layers I needed to keep. I, I knew uh, what textures I needed to have on separate layers or whatnot or dithering or details or stuff like that. Whereas whereas with 3D, I feel like I'm still figuring it out. But as long as you, you can still go back and edit your assets and maintain them, you're probably fine. Like whatever pipeline it is you're doing and whatever kit bashing you're, you're implementing, it's it's just what works. Yeah. And since you have that test space to work in, it kind of makes it a little safer too. It is safe. There's there's nothing quite as horrifying as thinking that you're going to ruin all of the development work that's been done. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you can't escape the developer. <laughs> yeah. No, if I... If I uh... It's like, hey, Ash, you want to go somewhere this weekend? I got to stay here and fix everything you broke. <laughs> I did a merge conflict. I'd be <laughs> getting some looks. <laughs> so that's cool. So, so I mean, yeah, I think it's awesome that you two work together and are doing this stuff. Um, so, um, yeah, thanks for being on, Rachel. If you have any last words you want to leave to people, if they just started their 3D journey or something like that. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, if you just started your 3D journey, best of luck to you. Uh, definitely reach out to me. I would like to be friends and bemoan... Uh, the errors, pitfalls, and joys of 3D with you. Um, and definitely, definitely it's worth the time, I think, to find a very thorough tutorial that will walk you through and get you set up as a 101. They're terrible, they're long, they're boring, you feel like you're going nowhere, uh, but I think it gives you that good foundation to be able to then look at other tutorials that are much quicker and be able to learn and glean stuff from them yeah and if you the blender people have any questions or discussions we have a little art discussion channel in the discord and if there's any general 3d stuff anyone asks questions about i've been doing it forever i can you know i'm always happy to help people with their 3d stuff so <laughs> thanks for being on the game dev grit podcast rachel and good luck to you in the future thanks for having me have a good one thank you okay